You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Euler and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers Nation Radio. It is high noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time for the solo edition of the Blitz here on your 24-7 home of the Black and Gold. Wesley Euler charged up, fired up, ready to go with you here on this Thursday. Indians already know the drill. Yes, I am alone, but you are never solo when you are rocking here on SNR. I got yins, baby. And Yin's got me at Wesley Euler on the Twitter.com. That is where I will take your questions, your comments, your concerns, your reactions, whatever you got for me. Steelers related, football related, otherwise related. You know where to get at me if you want to get involved on this program. We will have our typical Thursday show. No secrets here today. We'll do some stranger stats. We'll do some best of the West. And as always, we get things going here with a little three things Thursday. It's a simple concept, folks. This is our beginning of scouting the Steelers' upcoming opponent every single week. Of course, the Seattle Seahawks on the docket in what is the penultimate week of the regular season. A little three things Thursday. Very simple concept. I tell you three things that Seattle has going well for them right now. Three areas where Seattle is struggling right now. And then we'll flip that. We'll spin that block around. We'll do the same thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So three likes, three dislikes for the Steelers for their upcoming opponent. As it relates to this weekend's clash, of course, in Seattle against the Seahawks. Let's get into it. As we always do, we begin with our guests, with our opposition, right? We do the kind thing around here, and we start with the other team. I'll start with dislikes for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, baby, let's get right into it. Dislikes how they're still crying about the referees from Super Bowl Forty. Okay, that's not actually... One of my dislikes, but I mean, we we do we do know that that's facts, right? I mean, that's still happening. Uh, number one for Seattle is the offensive line. I am telling you right now, we have made this joke a couple times on the Blitz this season that a lot of Steelers fans like to say the Steelers have the worst offensive line in football, and it's it's just not. I don't care what the pro football focus grades say because, right, because we only want to use that when it when it fits our – we want to talk about pro football focus at times but hate on everything they say about TJ but use them to dump on the offensive line. I'm not sitting here telling you the Steelers' offensive line is elite. I'm not sitting here telling you that they're great. I'm not sitting here telling you that they haven't had moments this season where they've struggled. But Seattle's is worse 
and it's way more beat up. Jason Peters, who was one of the best tackles in this league for a long time, he's now in his 40s. He's banged up. Anthony Bradford's banged up. Damian Lewis is hurt. Phil Haynes is on IR. I mean, the only guy on their offensive line that I would even touch with a 39-and-a-half-foot Paul is Charles Cross, and he's still young and getting his teeth under him in this league. He's solid. He's, I think, has a bright career in front of him. But other than that, it's a whole lot of bleh, and it's unhealthy bleh as well, too. They have three key contributors on that offensive line who are banged up right now. It's just not a good situation. It's an offensive line that was really bad last year and hasn't gotten much better this year and is, without a doubt, the weak point of that team. It's the offensive line is the is the number one dislike for Seattle. They just ooh, wouldn't want to play behind them. Number two is their defense on possession downs. Okay, so Seattle's defense when it comes to third down, they're one of the worst in the National Football League, giving up a nearly 70, or pardon me, 47% third down conversions in their last handful of games. That means nearly 50% of the time that the opposition, the opposing offense, has a third down against Seattle, they're converting. That's just not good. If you if you convert on 45% or higher of your third downs, that's an elite number. In college football, in the NFL, if you're hitting it close to a 50% clip, that's about as good as you could. You are humming. If you're, if you're getting above 45% of your third down conversions, they're at nearly 47%, 46.8% their defense has given up. That's not where you want to be. And that's something the Steelers have to take advantage of. When we do stranger stats at the top of the 1 o'clock hour, that's one of the things we always talk about, how the Steelers are doing it, converting set of downs into new set of downs, right? Getting first downs, uh, whether it be on first down, second down, third down. I tell you what, the Steelers have gotten a little bit better in that regard. Again, we'll get to those numbers specifically about an hour from now, but they've got a real opportunity to string together some first downs, to string together some drives, like we saw last week against Cincinnati, something that they've struggled with as a whole in in you know in the 30,000-foot view this season. It's a Seattle defense that really struggles on possession downs, one of the worst in the NFL, something the Steelers are certainly going to have to capitalize on on Sunday. That's number two for the dislikes for Seattle. And then number three, key contributors questionable. You know, we've talked a little bit about how The Steelers' defense is just mangled right now. You're down your top three safeties, and you're down your top three linebackers, and you're just beat up. Uh, Seattle is similar in that regard right now. Not necessarily to one, you know, to specific units like the Steelers have been, but, man, it seems like their whole team is questionable at, at this point in the season. Kenneth Walker, talented running back in his second year. He's questionable for Sunday. Jackson Smith and Jigba, talented rookie wide receiver out of Ohio State. He's questionable for Sunday. Noah Fant, not in the elite class of tight end with – excuse me, almost choked there. You know, he's he's not a uh, he's not a Kelsey or a Kittle necessarily or one of those guys, right? But he's in that next wave of really good tight ends in the National Football League. He's questionable. I already told you about the three offensive linemen that they have questionable as well, too. Uh, Jones, one of their starting defensive ends, is questionable. Brooks, one of their linebackers, is questionable. Devin Witherspoon, one of the better rookies in the NFL this season when he's been healthy, is questionable. They're banged up, man. Jamal Adams as well, too. 
the safety. Best in the nation! Oh, I can't wait to make that joke joke with Moats tomorrow. He's questionable. I mean, just about every key contributor that they have on this team, maybe other than, you know, Quadra Diggs and uh, Tariq Woolen and, and, and Bobby Wagner are banged up. It's insane. Geno Smith is is and Tyler Metcalf and DK Lockett are not on the injury report this week, but those guys have all had injuries and missed some time recently as well, too. They just, much like the Steelers, Seattle has not had good fortune in the health department this season, and particularly as of late. And I guess you could argue which way would you rather have it, right? For the Steelers, it's been attrition to two position groups on the defense, and you've been relatively fortunate elsewhere, where with Seattle, it's kind of popcorn all over the place. I guess you could make an argument for which you would rather have either way. Uh, But also, there's no doubt that the Seahawks, much like the Steelers, are down some key contributors and have a lot of question marks about who's going and who's not going on Sunday at this point in the week. Practice report will be massive, obviously, for Seattle. We'll keep an eye on that later today and discuss that on Friday's show tomorrow. So those are the dislikes for the Seahawks. Let's talk about the likes. Number one is just offensive playmakers. When we're assuming health here, because we don't know who's going to go and who's not, man, they got a nice plethora. Aside from that offensive line that gets Geno Smith killed all the time, Geno Smith has a a lot to work with on that offense. Kenneth Walker's a a solid running back. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, talented trio of wide receivers. No offense. Like I said, not an elite tight end in this league, but a, a really good tight end in this league. I like their eligibles on offense, as Mike Tomlin would say. Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Noah Fant. Yeah, that'll play. Talented group there. Three of those guys that I just named of those five are questionable for Sunday. But when they're healthy, they've got some real playmakers, some some guys that can really hurt you on that offense. They've also, same church, different pew. Let's talk about that uh, as it relates to their secondary. You know, Again, health now is considered for some of these guys. We don't know Devin Witherspoon, the talented rookie corner, what his status is. Not sure what's going on with Jamal Adams. Woolen has been banged up off and on this season as well. But when they're healthy, all things considered, it's not the Legion of Boom anymore, but it is one of the better secondaries in the National Football League. Reek Woolen, Quadri Diggs. Uh, Julian Love and Jamal Adams, Devin Witherspoon. I mean, they've got some players in there, man. They've got some all pros. They've got some pro bowlers. There's some talent in there. Uh, A Woolen and Witherspoon. I mean, the second year corner and the first year corner, that tandem is going to be a nightmare for their opponents for a long time. And then a solid group of safeties to work with as well, too. I love what Seattle has in their secondary. I'd have to take a few minutes and really think about this. I don't know if I would say they have the best secondary in football or the one that I like the most or or has the most talent or whatever. Again, I'd have have to think about that because there are some good ones around the league, but I certainly think Seattle's in the conversation. And then final like for the Seahawks. I mean, come on. You knew I was going to get there, right? It's got to be Geno Smith. Eugene Cyril Smith, baby. My quarterback. Of course, not sure where he went to college. Not having the the, the year that he had last season is Geno. I, I won't deny that. I mean, his seventeen to nine, uh, you know, touchdown interception ratio isn't nearly as good as it la- is last year. He's thrown over a little over three thousand yards on the season. That's middle of the pack in the league. His QBR is middle of the pack in the league. But I tell you what, folks, his last five games, pretty good. completion percentage, eight touchdowns, just two interceptions, and a quarterback ranking of 94. 
he uh, is starting to play well when the team needs him to. And they got some good relief from Drew Locke there as well, too. Um, but but Geno Smith, I mean, you, you, you look at his last couple games, they've been impressive. Particularly the last two here. I mean, he's got over 500 yards. He's got nearly a 70% completion percentage. He's got five touchdowns and just one interception and a, a triple-digit QBR just in the last two games. He is not an elite quarterback in this league, but I think he's in that Tier 2 conversation. He ain't Mahomes or Allen or Burrow, and no one's pretending that. He doesn't have the upside of a of a Justin Herbert or a Lamar Jackson. Um, but I think he's in that, you know, if you're ranking all the quarterbacks in the NFL, I think he's consistently kind of in that 10 to 13, 14 range. And that's about Tier 2. He can make you pay, particularly, again, with those talented set of eligibles that he has there on that offense. He led a game-winning drive, made some huge plays down the stretch for Seattle to get the win in the final minute against Tennessee last week. He's coming on at the right time. Like I mentioned, his numbers over the last five games, and particularly the last two games as well, too. My quarterback, number seven, Geno Smith, is the final like of the Seattle Seahawks. You knew I had to get him in there somewhere. Come on. So, real quick again, just to uh, recap for you, Seattle dislikes offensive line, the defense on possession downs, and just so many key contributors questionable with injuries across their entire lineup. The likes for Seattle, Geno Smith, his offensive playmakers, and the playmakers that they have in their secondary. Let's spin the block to the Steelers. Let's start with the dislikes, because I want to end on a high note, as always. Uh, Number one, the run game still needs to get going a little bit more. 113 yards last Sunday against Cincinnati. That's what you need. That's okay. But where this run game needs to get going, where it needs to be, if you want to feel confident to go out to Seattle and get a win, then go to Baltimore and get a win. You got to be closer to 140, 150 on the ground. They had their moments where they struggled against Cincinnati on the ground. They were also effective in moments where they needed to be down the stretch. And again, 113 yards on the ground. That's not great. That's not bad either. It's it's okay. That's that was that was fine against Cincinnati and the performance that Mason and the wide receivers and particularly GP had, right? And how the defense was playing too. But you're going to need closer to 140-150 these next 2 weeks to get the offense going, I think where where it needs to be. So, still a little more pep needed from the run game. Number two is just another key defensive injury for the Steelers. A landed Roberts, man. And again, you're decimated at the safety position, out your top three guys. Now you're out your top three guys in the middle of the field as well, too, and Holcomb and Roberts and an Alexander. That leaves you thin in the middle of the field, doesn't it, when you have just crazy rash of injuries and suspensions to those two, to those two positions. It's... It's, it doesn't make you feel comfortable. You know, aside from maybe T.J. Watt, I think we would we would have all said the last guy you can lose on this defense right now is a Landon Roberts because you're so thin at that position and you lost a Landon Roberts. You're going to have to continue to find a way to get it done. Another key defensive injury. That's number two for the Steelers' dislikes. And then number three, let's talk a little special teams. Punt game wasn't varsity against Cincinnati. I don't want to pile on Presley Harvin. I know that that's been a popular thing to do over the last couple weeks. I will obviously tell you that his consistency has not been at a varsity level, you know, to, to, to continue to use Tomlinisms here. Averaging less than 40 yards uh, per punt against Cincinnati just ain't cutting it, particularly when a lot of those opportunities were not 
coffin corner type moments. They were open field, boom, this ball, flip the field position for us, and it just wasn't happening. We've seen it from Presley before, but much has kind of been the story in his in his NFL career to this point through through a few years is the consistency. When he's on, he's on, and and he's he's outstanding. But when he struggles, he struggles, and it and it can really uh, hurt the team, hinder the team. And we saw too much of that last week. Again, just thirty eight point eight yards per average on a punt. Got to pump those numbers up a little bit. Got to get a little bit better there, particularly you know in in what really could matter in field position in these next two key games on the road. So those are the three dislikes. Now let's talk the three likes as we wrap up this Three Things Thursday, our scouting segment here to get us started on a Thursday afternoon. Number one, Big Mason Energy, baby. Oh, yeah, it was palpable in the stadium. It was palpable amongst the offense. Those guys just had a renewed pep in their step. They were ready to go for Mason. They were ready for him to to have this opportunity and to see what he can do. He brought a new energy. He brought a new optimism, renewed in that regard. And no, that's not me taking shots at Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky. That doesn't mean that they're bad teammates. That doesn't mean that the rest of the offense hates those guys and doesn't play for those guys. Nothing like that. But it was one of those, all right, this is our third quarterback now of the season. This guy hasn't had an opportunity in two years. We need to win this game. It's our last home game of the year. Let's get this thing going. And an 86-yard touchdown on the second play of the game certainly kicks that off about as well as it could be, right? But there was just energy all across that offense from Mason, from George Pickens, from Deontay, from Jalen Warren, from Najee Harris, from Pat Fryermuth, from that entire offensive line. An energy that we haven't seen really since the preseason. I loved it. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Big Mason energy. That's number one. Number two is the defense back to finding splash last week. You know, big part of the reason why the Steelers lost that game against the Colts, why they, you know, scored 13 points and then gave up, what, 30 unanswered or whatever it was? 27 on it, however much it was that the Colts scored. 31, something like that. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank right now. It's been a lot of football at this point in the season. The Steelers scored 13 points in Indy, and then the Colts scored a bunch in a row, right? One of the reasons that was the case is because the Steelers got no splash on defense, no turnovers, and the offense turned the ball over three times. That can't happen. That's the Steelers' recipe to lose games. That's one thing we know for sure about this team and the way that they're built and the way that they're constructed with the offense and the defense. Steelers' defense getting back to that splash last week. Three turnovers forced, offense taking care of the ball at the same time. That's what you need. Defense getting back to finding that splash. That's how this team wins games. That's how they're built to win games. And it's a tough ask of the defense, again, when they've got so many absences in the middle of the field and at the safety position and at the middle linebacker position, two groups that really help create splash, right? It's a tough ask, but they got back to doing it against Cincinnati, and they'll need to continue to do that in these final two games if we want to have the the type of results that we're looking for. And then finally... I said this for the Steelers last week. I'm going to say it again. I'm re-gifting this one in the spirit of the holiday season. I like this opportunity for the Steelers. Once again, same as last week. You're that proverbial wounded animal who's backed into a corner. Once again, if you lose, for all intents and purposes, your season's over. They're all must-win games at this point, right? We know the Steelers need to get some help in there as well, too. But in terms of what you can control, you hit a three-game stretch here where they were all must-win games. One down, two more to go. I like this opportunity once again. We're going to see what these guys are made of. We're going to see 
how desperate they are to finish out this season on a high note, even though it might be what, what happens after that might be out of their control. I like this opportunity for this team. Against a Seattle team, hostile environment out there. They're always ready to go. And it's a Seattle team who's in the same position as the Steelers. Now, Seattle is in the playoffs if they were to start today. They do control their own destiny, you know, control their own fate, control their own road, whatever, however you want to label it, unlike Pittsburgh. But they need to keep winning to make that the case, right? So you've got two teams that are desperate to win. You know, if you're Seattle, hey, we take care of business here. We feel really good about our chances to get into the playoffs. We don't. It becomes a coin flip all of a sudden. If you're the Steelers, you win and you're staying alive. If not, you're you're really kind of one foot in the grave, right? I like this opportunity for the black and gold. I always like these bring-your-own-guts type of games, right? I made that joke last week, and some of you laughed at me on Twitter and thought that was a good one. Bring your own guts, baby. We're going to see who's got it on Sunday afternoon in Seattle. So, once again, to recap for the Steelers, the dislikes, run game needs to get it going a little bit more. Okay against Cincinnati, but needs to be better down the stretch. Another key defensive injury to a Landon Roberts at another position you're already decimated at. And then the punt game, just not quite being up the varsity level. The three Steelers likes, the big Mason energy that he has brought and this offense has brought, the defense back to finding their splash and creating turnovers, and just another opportunity to see what you're made of. I like this opportunity. I like this moment. Let's go see what you got. Bring your own guts. And that's a little three things Thursday to get us started. You know where to get at me on Twitter if you want to get involved with the show. We got Best of the West. We got Show Me the Money recap. We got Stranger Stats. It's all happening here on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Blitzing on a Thursday, having a good time. Got the tweets rolling in. Keep those coming. We will get to your questions, comments, concerns, reactions, as always, as we roll along. We got to do a little show me the money recap here before we get out of the first hour as well, too. So much to get to, as always, on a Thursday. I'm fired up. You're fired up. We're fired up. Everybody fired up? Okay, good. It's time now to do a little Best of the West. This is just, I tell you what, it's just benchmark day here on the show, isn't it? We'll do Stranger Stats later. We did three things Thursday already. Now, Best of the West. Everything is dressed up with a cool little name. But Best of the West is a simple concept. It's just weekly power rankings. Right? Week what now? This is week 16? Right? Because then 17... And 18, right? Yeah. Week 16 edition? Am I psyching myself out here? It is the week 16 edition, right? Well, I guess heading into week 17. So it's week 17 edition. Okay, there we go. Glad I cleared that up for myself. Number one on the list is the Baltimore Ravens. Pains me. It pains you. But it's just reality at this point. I mean, they just went to San Francisco the two best teams in the league are on the road and they won 33 to 19. I much like Cool Hand Luke. I don't like it any more than you do. But it's just the reality. 
And I know some of you are thinking right now, oh, do it in the playoffs. Oh, they're still going to fall apart. Ah, Lamar, he's only got one playoff win. They're going to find a way to lose. Maybe. I hope so. I don't want to see Baltimore go on a run in the postseason any more than you do. But they're a great team right now. Team. From the defense to the offense, everyone involved. They got playmakers everywhere. And yes, Lamar Jackson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I know a lot of Steelers fans don't like hearing that. I know a lot of Steelers fans think he stinks because he hasn't done well against the Steelers. Watch him play against the other 30 teams in the NFL. You should be pr- you should have pride. You should be proud that the Steelers have figured out Lamar unlike anybody else can. That doesn't mean that he stinks like so, like so many of my Steeler brethren. I love y'all to death. But that's the one area where I think you miss the plot a lot is is ne- is refusing to acknowledge that Lamar is a dang good quarterback and a dang good football player. I know he's got to win in the postseason. But a lot of quarterbacks didn't win in the postseason early in their careers. Heck, I saw somebody say this week, you know, you guys talk about Lamar Jackson like he's Peyton Manning. You know, Lamar Jackson has one playoff win in his first five years in the NFL. That's more than Peyton Manning had. So I don't think Lamar Jackson is Peyton Manning. But I also don't mind putting a little respect on his name. And as much as it pains me, having the Ravens ranked at number one is really the only... If you don't have the Ravens at number one on your power rankings this week, you're just telling on yourself. You're not being objective. Number two for me is still the Niners. I know they didn't look great in that loss to the Ravens, but they were playing the best team in the AFC. Um, The score, honestly, I think was maybe even a little bit worse than it was. Worst game that Brock Purdy has played maybe ever and his career, uh, his, his you know early career as a Niner, he was just terrible. The offense was out of sync all night. The defense had no answer for what the Ravens were doing. Even without Mark Andrews, uh, still giving them fits over the middle of the field. But I still like the Niners more than anybody else on this list besides the Ravens, so they're number two for me. I think that was a little bit of an anomaly that we saw. We'll see if they prove me wrong over these next two weeks. Number three is the Dolphins. Um, They finally did what everyone's been asking them to do. That was beat a team with a winning record, another quality opponent, right? They did that in that dramatic victory over the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. I still go back and forth on Miami. I could see them make – they're a lot like the Ravens. I could see them making a run. I could see them being one and done. I think that's pretty much how I feel about everybody right now, if we're being honest. But Miami, they got the tools. They got the goods. That defense is healthy now and is is looking about as good as they have all season. I got the Dolphins at number three. Number four, the Eagles. Hey, it was a good weekend for them. Cowboys lost. They won. I know Philadelphia didn't look convincing against the Giants. They It was one of those weird games where the score wasn't convincing, but if you watched it, it never felt like Philly was in danger of losing that game. They had the lead the whole way. They were in the driver's seat the whole way. It was just a little too close for comfort, and they had to make some plays down you know, down the stretch of the game that they probably shouldn't have to secure victory. The Eagles got their problems, but I like their problems a lot more than pretty much everybody else on this list. I know there's panic in Philadelphia right now because they've you know, lost three in a row and then didn't really look convincing in that win against the Giants. But... Again, I I think that's very easy to do if you're just focused on your Kelly Green. Uh, the Eagles still have a lot going for them that a, a lot of other teams in the NFL wish they did. I've got Philly at number four. Number five, I've got the Buffalo Bills making their highest appearance since probably the beginning of the season. 
on this list. I know there's some teams, you know, the Cowboys and the Lions have better records than Buffalo right now, but I just, man, you watch this team play, and I would not want to see them in the postseason. They are a little banged up on defense, and that's important, but they're going to get some of those guys back, hopefully for their sake, down the stretch. But James Cook is, you know, been an enigma for them. He's he's looked like he saved the season at one point. He's looked like he's given it away at other points. Um, you know, they just they've just been off at certain times. But man, when the when the the Bills are clicking, they score points like few teams in the league can. They've got firepower like few points in the like few teams in the league have. So. Maybe I'm a little high on Buffalo because of the way that some of these other teams perform this week, but I got them at number five. Number six, I got the Cowboys. Good team. But again, I just, I struggle to think they can go on. Maybe this is the part of the list where, man, it's tough to see these teams now going on a run in the postseason. Cowboys are a good team, but they just, there's just something off there, right? They kind of hurt themselves in their chance to get a division title. I think that's important because Dallas is a much different team at home than they are on the road. Like if I don't, I don't see any scenario where Dallas goes into Philly and wins a playoff game, right? Or goes into San Francisco and wins a playoff game. I don't think any of us see that happening. At home, they could have a shot against any of those teams, but they might have just given away their opportunity to do so. Again, the Cowboys are a good team, but I think that's about it. I don't know if they have the ceiling of some of these other teams. I've got them at number six. Same church, different pew for me conversation. It's the Lions. I know they're going to win their first uh, NFC North title. I know they're 11-4 and and will probably get to 12 wins before the season's over. They're going to host a playoff game at home for the first time in 30 years, you know, since I was two years old, since I was still just a baby in diapers. They are a good team but I think they've got their limitations. The defense is good, but not great, and I don't know if it's a game-changing defense. And that's what you can say about most of their offense as well, too. Good, not great. I love Jameer Gibbs. Maybe it's time for him to really start being the catalyst of that offense at the end of his rookie season. Maybe he can come on strong with some legs when everyone else is kind of banged up. It's about time they really make him the focal point of that offense. He feels like the one... um, you know, the one real spark plug on that offense. But they were not impressive against the Vikings. They needed all four of those Nick Mullins interceptions to secure that victory. But again, they're an 11-4 and team. They are a good team. I just don't know if the ceiling, the Super Bowl ceiling is quite there. Lions at number seven. Eight, the most interesting team in the league right now, the Kansas City Chiefs. We all know the ceiling is there for Kansas City, but I don't know how you can give them that credit right now when they're 9-6 and six and just look like a mess in so many different ways. I mean, the Raiders made the, the Chiefs look like an average football team. Mahomes is frustrated. The offense is frustrated. Kelsey doesn't look completely healthy. They got nobody else really on that offense. And the defense is good, but not good enough to lead the way for them. It's a weird spot that Kansas City's in. Yeah, we could all see them going on a run, and if you know, if we looked up in a couple months, a month from now, and they're in the AFC Championship game, I don't think it would shock any of us, but I'm certainly not betting on that right now. I mean, they're 9-6. and six. They're one game better than the Steelers, the Chiefs are. Not fun times in Kansas City after uh, 
just an incredible five-year run that they've been on here, this might be the year where they have to take a step back and, and reevaluate some things moving moving ahead for the rest of the Mahomes era because it ain't great right now. Chiefs at number eight, though. I got the Browns at number nine. I know the Browns have a better record than the Chiefs. I know the Browns are feeling better and playing better football than the Chiefs, so maybe I'm going against what I normally do here on Best of the West, but I just can't have a Joe Flacco-led Browns team ahead of the Chiefs. Uh, so because of that, the Browns are at number nine on my list. But, yeah, they're 10-5. and five. If Listen, this is another one of those things that I hate saying, particularly here on SNR, but you got to give Cleveland some credit as much as we hate to admit it. If I would have told you all when the season started that Deshaun Watson was only going to start, what, six games, that Nick Chubb was going to blow his knee out against the Steelers in week two and not play the rest of the season, that they were going to lose both of their tackles to IR, that they were going to be banged up, three of their starters on offensive line were going to miss time. We would have been like, all right, here comes another Cleveland season. They'll be picking in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Instead, they've got 10 wins. And they've done it with a litany of different quarterbacks. Um, Amari Cooper has been just huge for that offense. What a season he's having. Um, I don't think Cleveland is particularly dangerous in the playoffs. Like, I would much rather see them than the Kansas City Chiefs because of the quarterback situation and because Cleveland's defense is, they're they're breaking the trend. You know, one of the oldest adages in football is what are the two things that travel? Run game and defense. Brown's defense doesn't really travel. It's not the same beast that it is at home. So I would not want to go to Cleveland for a playoff game in that nasty weather, in the cold and the wind there by the lake and have to play that defense. But I wouldn't fear Cleveland if they were coming to me. You know, if I'm the Ravens or, um, you know, I don't know who else is going to win the divisions here now. If I'm the Dolphins, if I'm the Chiefs, if they hold on to win the division, I'm not afraid if if Cleveland is coming to play me, but I still think they're a top 10 team in the NFL right now. I mean, heck, they are 10 and 5. They're number 9 on my list. And then bringing up the caboose here, I think this is the first time they've been on this list all season. I didn't know what to do here, so I just went for it. Because you got a litany of eight and seven teams, but I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as my 10th and final team. Yeah, I know. They're eight and seven. They just beat up on the Jacksonville Jaguars there in one of the, the, the Battle of Florida down there, if you will. Another thing that I, another guy that I hate to give credit to, but I'm going to do it here in this segment Baker Mayfield is playing well. Not lights out, not elite, but Baker Mayfield is playing well. He's proven that he's a, a number one quarterback in the NFL. So. For the 10th spot here, it's just kind of pick your 8 and 7 team, right? I mean, you go with the Rams, you can go with the Bucks, you can go with the Steelers, you can go with the Texans, you can go with the Jags, you can go with the Colts, you can go with the Seahawks. I mean, there's a lot of 8 and 7 in the NFL right now. I'm going to go with the team, though, that just beat the crap out of the Jags. and Looked pretty impressive doing it, has a balanced defense, has a quarterback that's playing well in Baker Mayfield. I got the Bucks at number 10. For my honorable mention, I, again, just pick one of those eight and seven teams. Any of them. There's nothing to separate any of them. So, once again, if you joined us later, you just want to double-check your notes. My best of the West Power Rankings Week 17 edition. Baltimore, number one. Where you from? Baltimore. What? Baltimore. Baltimore? Where's that? Look, it doesn't really matter, all right? Never really matters. Niners, two. Dolphins, three. Eagles, four. Bills, five. Cowboys, six. Lions, seven. Chiefs, eight. Browns, nine. Bucks, ten. That is your best of the West.
on Twitter, at Wesley Euler. That's where you get involved with me. We'll close down the first hour. I'll get to some of your reaction we've gotten so far. I'll update you on Show Me the Money, where we're at to this point in the season. We'll do all that as we close down hour number one and hit the halfway point of the program today. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Ah, folks, here we are approaching the end of another year, both literally as it relates to our day-to-day lives and certainly as it relates to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the NFL uh, at whole, as a large, the final two weeks, penultimate week of the NFL regular season coming up here. And then, of course, the final week, Steelers on the road in Seattle. And then Baltimore, two trips, growing, uh, going cross-country here in just a couple days as we'll be flying out to Seattle. I'm excited. I'm fired up. I've got uh, two uh, friends that I grew up with who uh, who live in Seattle now. I'm excited to see them. Shout out to Kevin and Steph if they're listening right now. Going to take me out to dinner Saturday night. So I can't wait. Should be a lot of fun. I'm just in a good mood in general. Holidays. It's uncharact- It's been uncharacter- uncharacteristically. Don't make me say that five times fast. Good weather in Pittsburgh lately. I mean, it's like mid-50s and sunny today. It feels like spring break, not, you know, the end of December. Uh, my Mountaineers, big win last night in the bowl game, 30-10 to 10 over North Carolina. You know, you always like winning that. Bowl games don't mean nearly as much as they used to, right? But you still like to win them because then you just feel good. You carry that victory into the next, you know, seven months or so until your, until your alma mater or your team of choice plays again. Good vibes. Good feelings. And with that... I've been struggling on show me the money, right? We'd had a couple we had had a couple losing weeks in a row and then a couple stalemate weeks in a row. I'm sitting at 24 and 28 on the year going into this holiday weekend needed sense of urgency, right? Much like the Steelers trying to get this thing turned around uh while you still can here down the stretch. So Made three picks this past week, looking to get back in the feel good win column. Let's see how Euler did with his weekly pick 'em here. As we uh, see what I got right, see what I got wrong. Show me the money. Show me the money! Made three picks this past weekend, folks. I went two and one. So we'll take it. We'll take the two and one. I said Steelers plus three. Liked the Steelers to win. Picked the Steelers to win. But in this exercise, I'm always going to take the points because I'm just making bets for you. I'm not attaching any monetary value of my own to it. Steelers plus three felt like a no-brainer. Hey, if Cincinnati was going to come into Pittsburgh and win with Jake Browning, it was going to be like maybe 20 to 19, right? Or 17 to 16, something like that, where you felt good about the Steelers getting the three points. No problem. That's a W. I also felt good about the Colts underdogs in Atlanta. I took the Colts plus two and a half, and Atlanta smoked them. So that was my loss of the week. I was wrong there. That's what I get for putting my faith in in the in the Colts. You know, maybe it was just because I like the city of Indianapolis so much and was just there recently. I got that one wrong. But then I told you to take the Ravens plus five and a half and how their record against the spread is immaculate over the last season and a half. That number got all the way up to Baltimore plus six and a half by the time that game kicked off on Christmas night. Yes, I did put uh I did put actual real money 
monetary value on the Baltimore Ravens plus six and a half right before kickoff. I didn't even need the extra point, though. When I made the pick here on the show, it was plus five and a half. The Ravens won straight up. They smoked them. So that was an easy W. It was funny. I was talking with my dad. I was like, I might take the Ravens money line, honestly. I like their chances tonight. And my dad's like, you're crazy. You can get six and a half points. Take the six and a half points. And I did. And it was still a nice return. But, wow, did not see that one coming for Baltimore. I, I told you last week that I thought the Ravens, or I thought the Niners would win a you know a three-point, four-point game, something close like that. Baltimore just smoked them. Didn't need the points, but that's still a W. Ravens plus five and a half. The Ravens now are 23-1 and one against the spread in their last 24 games. Three losses, one tie, the rest out or against the spread winners in their last 24. That's crazy impressive. That's something for all you degenerates to perk up about out there. And uh, so the Ravens, the deciding factor for me, they get that win. That pushes me to 2-1 and one on the week. So we are back in the winning column, baby. Where's Johnny Drama when I need him? And that will make me 26 and 29 on the year. You got two more weeks here to get that record back above 500. Let's get it done. I'll give you uh, my weekly show me the money selections tomorrow with Arthur Motes as part of our typical Friday fixins. Got to get to some more of your tweets in the second hour. This one from Angry Bike Lane, though. Our buddy Angry Bike Lane, one of my favorite tweeters, says, I'm rooting for Mason to have a good game once again, but the Steelers lose this game for a better draft pick. I mean, come on, bike lane. I am rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game. One, because I want the Pittsburgh Steelers to win every game they play. And two, because I don't want to have to sit on the plane cross country for six hours after a loss. So no, angry bike lane. Win the game. So I don't have to sit in that funeral-like setting on a plane coming cross country while everyone else is popping champagne and dropping bottles for six hours. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, that's where you get involved. I will get to your tweets in hour number two. We'll also do a little Stranger Stats. We'll continue the good vibes here on a Thursday. One hour in the books, another hour to go. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Man, my holiday bills are almost as hard to get rid of as my in-laws. I guess my budget will be my New Year's resolution again. Hi there. Friendly S&T Banker here. The aftermath of the holidays can be tough. Have you thought about using the equity in your home to consolidate your debt? I can do that? Yep. Home equities are one of the lowest cost financing options. At ST Bank, we can help you so you can have a financial fresh start. Stop by a branch or visit stbank.com to learn more. ST Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.